November 2nd, 2008, First Church and Parish in Dedham, the Reverend Raleigh Weaver, Reconciliation. Having a history that is 370 years old makes it hard to know where to begin. Just two years after the town of Dedham was first settled, a group of eight men founded the First Church and Parish in Dedham on November 8, 1638. It is important to note that prior to the Dedham decision of 1818, which took place 180 years after our founding date, there was already plenty of other controversy, as would be natural in any new society forming. Think of it, really. The first members of this parish had few relations to each other, except to be the settlers who had planted themselves within one and a half miles of this parish. Very quickly there was need of a church, and yet that church must be an independent church, created without any affiliation to a wider religious body, because this new town was filled with new possibilities, and no established religious body could satisfy the religious commitment of these people in this new land. As in every Puritan parish, Full membership to the church was necessary to allow for the sacraments of baptism and Holy Eucharist. Full membership required an account of a conversion experience. A conversion experience was easy to describe for those who had taken the risk of leaving their family and friends and homeland behind to exercise their faith without any restriction in this new world. The problem became that because the new generations in this after the settlement did not have the same stressors of leaving their homeland to follow their faith, they could not describe an experience of God catching them. So these children of members were not accepted as members of the church, despite leading otherwise pious and upright Christian lives. As a result, they could not have their children baptized or participate in the Lord's Supper. Naturally, this led to a decline in membership and attendance in this parish. Because honestly, who wants to attend a church where they're told they are not holy enough to participate? In response, our first minister, the Reverend John Allen, worked with other New England clergy on the Halfway Covenant, which provided for partial church membership. Set up for the children and grandchildren of church members, those who accepted the covenant and agreed to follow the creed and rules of this church, became under the halfway covenant half-church members without having to claim a spiritual conversion. These half-church members could not vote on any issues within the church, but could have their children baptized and participate in Holy Communion. This first concession of the early church broke the solidarity of the Puritan communities and created the first split between the fundamentalists who wanted to maintain religious purity at all costs, and a more religious body, who believed that a stronger faith community could be formed by loosening restrictions and including more believers. From our founding as a church, there have been modifications made to theological expectations in order to match the needs of the community. Over the next century, the town of Dedham survived war against the Wampanoag Indians, political turmoil within the colony, and the ruin of the economy. 
Our second minister, the Reverend William Adams, served at the beginning of this, all this hardship from 1673 to 1685. He graduated from Harvard University with, and I quote, a reputation for behavior and scholarship. He was ordained here two years after his graduation from seminary on December 3, 1673, and preached the election sermon to the Massachusetts General Court in April of 1685, where he stated that he was convinced that the turmoil of his day was divine retribution on an ungenerate society. He died four months later on August 17, 1685, ending his ministry. <laughs> Another controversial ministry at First Church was that of the Reverend Joshua Bates, who served this parish a mere 15 years, just prior to the call of the Reverend Alvin Lampson. The Reverend Joshua Bates was dismissed from his ministry at his own request in February of 1818 in order to accept the presidency at Middlebury College. If I had instead read his final sermon this morning, you would have thought his leaving to be amicable. But it is evident from events during his ministry that there was some ongoing disagreements with his message on both theological and political grounds. In 1805, the entire choir resigned because they did not agree with his message. In 1809, a cannon was discharged under his bedroom window with, at the parsonage because Republicans were opposed to his conservative Federalist message. Reverend Bates was, in fact, quite controversial due to his orthodox and separatist beliefs, which were at odds with the perspective of the majority of his parishioners and resulted in his eventual request for dismissal. Exploring our history, I can say quite confidently from the beginning of our formation as a church and parish, the minister's ideas were sometimes quite controversial and a separation between conservative and liberal thought was evident as far back as our founding date in 1638. It was then in this reaction of a parish that had been excessively pummeled by conservative views that the Reverend Alvin Lampson, a Unitarian, was brought to this parish. And it was with 75% of the vote of the parish that the Reverend Alvin Lampson was called as minister. Now, I must admit, if I had received a mere 75% of the vote when you called me to be your minister, I could not have in good conscience accepted the call. And thankfully now, the rules have changed, and to call a minister, the vote would need to be a much larger percentage to pass. When I read about Alvin Lampson in the history books, I had often thought what a rabble-rouser he was to accept a ministry with so little support for his message. But after delving deeper, I realized that Alvin Lampson was an intentional catalyst for change within this parish. Since the inception of this society, our founding fathers had been wrestling with the issues that come from having a wide number of people with disparate backgrounds trying to make their way in one place. And at the time that Alvin Lampson was hired, the majority took a stand. They chose a candidate that would articulate their values and would necessitate either acquiescence to this liberal thinking or separation. 
the latter of which did happen. I believe that for many years prior to the call of the Reverend Alvin Lampson, approximately 75% of the church was listening to messages from the pulpit that they did not agree with, or at least the ministries of the Reverend William Adams and the Reverend Joshua Bates, those faithful who sat each week in the pews, had to at times turn a deaf ear to the words they were hearing. And so when the majority called the Reverend Alvin Lampson, they were not acting blindly, but taking a stand in the hope that of having a church where they could listen to the message that fed their hearts. It is hard for me to imagine the daunting prospect the Reverend Alvin Lampson faced when he was called to this parish. How difficult those times would have been for both preacher and parishioner when friends and family were divided along political and theological grounds. It is no wonder the building itself was reoriented to face the green. It would have been so painful to see divisions that were formed by their decision. I wonder how long those 75% were turning a deaf, deaf ear, going along, allowing the status quo to stand in order to avoid that eventual conflict. And then once the change had happened, how could they reconcile themselves to the outcome? Two separate churches were formed. And now, 190 years later, I offer this balm. Perhaps the times had changed so much in those 182 years since the founding of the city of Dedham, and 180 since the founding of this church, and perhaps the population had grown so very much that it was in fact necessary to form two separate churches to express the wide variances of beliefs of the day. To this day, we have several parishioners whose families attend the church across the street. We have several couples where one attends our parish and their husband or wife attends the Allen Congregational Church. Even to this day, there is need for different places of worship because we have different ideologies. Sometimes I think it is difficult when we have an inclusive and liberal understanding of religion to make sense of why there must be so much conflict between different ideologies. I think of the parishioners who sat for so many years listening to ideas they did not agree with being spouted from the pulpit. I imagine when they voted to call Alvin Lampson, they did not expect the outcome. It most likely came as a surprise. If I had been listening for years and years to an Orthodox preacher and had kept my mouth shut about it, and then had found a minister that met the needs of the majority, I would have thought that those with more Orthodox beliefs could have tried to stay and listen to things they did not believe from the pulpit, just as I had done. But that is not what happened. Instead, a division was formed and many hard feelings were raised. And yet, now, so many years later, it makes sense to me. When you worship, you want a place that speaks to your spirit. At the time of our founding, at the time of the division, and even now, there have been two very different theological concerns that needed speaking to, and so two churches were formed. At the time, it probably felt awful and chaotic and divisive and wrong 
to those who had worshipped together for so many years. Change often feels that way. But our entire history from the earliest of days points to the priority of our forefathers to make this parish church relevant for those who attend. And so our history reminds us that the change that is necessary to be relevant does not come easily, even when it's obvious, and even when it comes after years and years of striving to avoid conflict. Change nearly always happens in a flash and can rent the fabric of who we thought we were. To reconcile us to our history, I believe we must accept that there are times when separations are a necessary part of progress. Differences, and yes, sometimes even divisions, are a part of a true democracy. How much better that we express our differences in a congregational meeting than that we stand silently by, keeping our mouths shut so that no one knows our thoughts and needs. Sharing our differences makes room for dramatic change and keeps us relevant. We are at a time of great transformation in our country, but from our history we already know that great transformations do not come without a struggle, and that sometimes you have to say no to get to yes. What our 370-year history offers us is the truth that from every divisive election something new and wonderful can be born on both sides of the street. May this be so for both our church and parish and for our country at large.